morning. Thank you, worship team. Uh, good morning, everyone. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. If you're new here, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life. If this is your first time here, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here. At the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby area. So if I've never met you or if this is your first time here, uh, please stop by and introduce yourself. We are in a series looking uh, at life in the spirit, the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to spend a couple of weeks on the fruit of the spirit. And to review, over the past few weeks, we've been covering a few things about who the Holy Spirit is. We've talked about the Holy Spirit as the fulfillment of the promise of God to be with his people and in his people. We've seen the Spirit as the shy member of the Trinity. We've seen how the Spirit is the one who leads us and guides us in our lives. And last week we talked about the Holy Spirit as the wind of God, looking to uh, convert us over and over again. And today we're going to talk about a little bit about how the Spirit wants to produce fruit inside of us. What kind of fruit does the Spirit want to produce inside of us? And today we're going to be focusing on the fruit of gentleness, cultivating gentleness, gentleness in an aggressive city. And so let's read our passage here. This is Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 16. Hear the word of God. Paul writes, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But you, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, uh, another way of saying it, those who have a pattern of living like this, uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, our desire this morning is that we would keep in step with the Spirit. Father, I pray that you would speak to us in profound ways, deepen us, give us revelation into this passage, revelation into our own lives as well. We offer this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. One of my favorite stories is told by a man named Brennan Manning, a former Franciscan priest. And he tells the story of an old man who used to meditate every morning, early morning, under a big tree on the bank of the Ganges River. And one morning after he had finished his meditation, he opened up his eyes to see a scorpion floating helplessly on the water. And as he sees the scorpion floating helplessly, he just came from a time of meditation, so he want to, wanted to rescue the scorpion. And so he it's, extends his hand to the scorpion, and as he gets close to the scorpion, the scorpion stung him and pulled his hand back uh, with some pain. After a moment, as he you know, recalibrated there, he got his equilibrium, he extends his hand again a second time to rescue the scorpion. And a second time, the scorpion stung him again. This time, his fingers started to bleed, and his face began to contort with pain. 
The third time around, after the second time, he wanted to again extend his hand to save this scorpion. And as this moment, as he's about to extend his hand, then a passerby sees this man stretching out on the roots to rescue the scorpion. And he responds, hey, stupid old man. Guy must have been from New York or from Brooklyn, you know. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Only a fool would risk his life for the sake of an evil, ugly creature. Don't you know you could kill yourself trying to save that ungrateful scorpion? And the old man turned his head and looking into the stranger's eyes, he calmly said, My friend, just because it is a scorpion's nature to sting doesn't change my nature to save. What we see in the story is a beautiful picture of gentleness. And as important as gentleness is in the kingdom of God, few things sound more foolish to city dwellers like ourselves, like gentleness. If you spend any time in our city, you will soon find out that if you're going to survive, you're going to have to be aggressive. You're going to have to be aggressive. We see this on basketball courts. We see this in sports. Imagine for a moment that you're about to play basketball. And I've played many games of basketball, many basketball leagues. And before you go out into the court, you get into the huddle, you give your pep talk, and then you say, on three, one, two, three, be gentle. Just doesn't work that way. It's one, two, three, kill them. It's one, two, three, let's win. It's one, two, three, defense. It is not one, two, three, be gentle. If you take the subway during rush hour, gentleness will get you Nowhere. As I was preparing this message, I was, you know, I was, I was praying, Lord, fill me with gentleness. Make me into a gentle person. And after I realized, oh, I got to jump on the train. And I jumped on the train, and it was crowded. And the first thing I did, I did not say, oh, it's a great time to be gentle. I saw the seat. I ran for the seat out of the way, man. I sat down. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, didn't you just pray for gentleness? Could you imagine driving on Queens Boulevard just saying, you know what, I cannot wait to be gentle on Queens Boulevard. Driving on Queens Boulevard in a gentle way will get you nowhere fast. We're trained in our city that if if you're going to navigate through life, you're going to have to be aggressive. You're going to have to take the bull by the horns. You're going to have to be aggressive. You're going to have to make, make things happen. And yet in the kingdom of God, it is the way of gentleness That heals the world. And this is exactly what Paul is saying in this chapter about the fruit of the Spirit. What kind of life will ultimately bear witness to and contribute to the healing of the world? Paul lays it out here with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the very character of Jesus flowing in us and through us. And the fruit of the Spirit is not just for our personal piety. The fruit of the Spirit is for public blessing, the public blessing of the world. And Paul desperately wants us to live this way, the kind of life that is radically formed and transformed by Jesus with these fruit as the manifestation of it. Richard Foster has said that the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And deep people, there's no better uh, uh, framework to describe what a deep person looks like, like the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit shows us what deep people are characterized by. Now before this, Paul makes a contrast. Paul wants to make a contrast to the church in Galatia that, uh, that between someone that is filled with the Spirit and someone that is not filled with the Spirit. 
someone that is bearing the fruit of the Spirit and someone that is not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And so before Paul talks about what does it look like for someone to bear the fruit of the Spirit, he starts looking at what does it look like not to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And then he puts out this this sobering, humbling list. He says those that are not being controlled by the work of the Spirit have hatred. You're dominated by hatred, by discord, by sexual immorality, by jealousy, by impurity and debauchery, by fits of rage, by dissension, by factions, by envy, by conceit. He said those that are not being uh, filled and directed by the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit of our lives. And many of us know people, I know that we're not in this room, but many of us know people that have these words that describe their lives. And so Paul describes, this is someone not being transformed by the Holy Spirit. But then Paul describes the kind of life of someone that is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And I imagine as he's writing this letter to the church, Paul starts to write with a sense of joy. He says, this is what a person looks like who has the fruit of the Spirit. They are characterized by love and joy and peace and patience and, and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control. And of all of the fruit of the Spirit that, that Paul lists here, many scholars say that gentleness is the most difficult to translate. Because when we think of gentleness in our day, we tend to think of someone being soft or polite or just uh, quiet. But when Paul uses this word, he's not thinking of these words. The word gentleness has also been translated meekness, and, and that's a good translation. But in our context, the way, when we think about meekness, many of us think about weakness. So when Paul lists gentleness, he's not referring to a past soft, soft uh, you know, uh, uh, just polite uh, disposition. The fruit of the Spirit is the manifestation of the character of Jesus. And Jesus, throughout the New Testament, did not exemplify this sense of passivity. Jesus was very decisive. And so what is gentleness? This is what I like to submit to you today. What is gentleness? The Greek word of gentleness uh, describes a a, a gentleness of conduct, especially referring to someone who had it in their power or authority to act otherwise. A simple way of saying it is this. Gentleness is power under control. Power under control. For Paul, to be gentle doesn't mean you lack power. Rather, it is a recognition that you have power. And your power can hurt others. But the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, which is power under control. All of us in this room, we have power. Whether you know it or not, we have power. In your workplace, you have some power. At home, you have power. In school, you have power. All of us have power. We all have the ability to use our power in a way that's not under control. My my six-year-old daughter has power. All 40 pounds of her. And I realize that every single day when when she's interacting with her 15-month-old brother. And I have to tell her seven, eight times a day, Karis, be gentle with him. I know you weigh 40 pounds, but you can really be gentle with him. All of us have power. All of us in this room, we have a kind of power. And the Holy Spirit wants us to see our gentleness, to be power under control. Now, for Paul, the reason why gentleness made the list was because the Galatian church, the church that he was writing this letter to, uh, was was filled with an aggressive, angry, attacking way. Instead of exhibiting gentleness, which was power under control, they were using their power to control. 
The church was filled with legalistic, us versus them people who judged others that didn't follow God in the same exact way that they did. And so Paul is beside himself that the church of Jesus Christ can reflect this kind of living. And you see that in the way that Paul begins the book of Galatians. And many of the letters that Paul writes, when Paul begins the letter, he begins with flowery, beautiful words. He says, this is Paul, an apostle, grace and peace. Sometimes he says, grace, mercy and peace. Then he go into a prayer for the church. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, who's chosen you before the foundation of the world to be holy and acceptable. And his sight. Paul's writing all this flowery language to some churches. You're blessed. God hears you. You're in Christ. You're adopted. He loves you. But when he writes the book of Galatians here, Six verses into it, it's like Paul is writing, grace and peace to you, Paul. What happened here? Six verses into it, Paul is already upset. What just happened? And he writes, how could you so quickly desert from the way that I gave you? And Paul is beside himself. He cannot believe that, that, that the church is responding in this way. In chapter 2 of Galatians, he rebukes Peter, a fellow apostle, because of his hypocrisy. In chapter 3, Paul has to say there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. Why would he have to say that? Because the Galatians were filled with angry, attacking, aggressive people, marginalizing others that didn't follow God in the way that they did. And so they said, yes, you want to be a follower of Jesus? Trust in Jesus, but you better be circumcised. Trust in Jesus, you better, you better obey this holiday. Uh, uh, trust in Jesus, but you have to do this, this, and this. And if you did not do this, this, and this, you were marginalized. And Paul could not believe what he was hearing. In short, the Galatian church practiced, as it were, a spiritual and social violence to each other instead of practicing gentleness. Now, our world system is permeated by an angry, aggressive, attacking ethos. Look no further than social media. Look no further than the cesspool that is the comment blog, the comment section on blogs. Someone writes a blog you disagree, just read the comments for just five minutes if you can stand them. We are an angry, aggressive, attacking culture. Look at politics. Politics is anything but gentle. Our religious and theological debates are anything but gentle. And, and, and many times, the spirit of the world infiltrates the church as well. You would be hard-pressed to walk down Queens Boulevard, walk into Queens Center Mall, and say, "Give me what's the first word you think about when you think about the church? Probably nine times out of ten, you'll probably hear the word judgmental before you hear the word gentle. Nine times out of ten, maybe ten times out of ten, you'll hear the word judgmental rather than gentle. I like how Ronald Lohheiser, a writer on spiritual formation, says it. He says these words. He says, this is a cruel thing to say, but all this angry uh, zeal and passion, no matter how high the cause which fuels it, is not a sign that the truth and the gospel are breaking through. When truth and the gospel break through, the first mark is compassion or gentleness, not anger. Have you ever met someone, they became a Christian, all of a sudden they became angry? It's like you must have, somebody must have prayed wrong for you. What just happened? Go back to the church and have them pray for you again. Because if your first response to receiving Jesus is anger and marginalizing others, 
we need to pray again. Well, okay, let's just, let's, just, let's just do the whole thing again. Because the first mark of someone that has encountered the gospel is love. It's compassion. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not this marginalizing, attacking, angry, aggressive way. Now, it's so easy for us to, to live angry, aggressive, attacking in the city. I was born and raised in this city. And not just in any part of the city. I was born and raised in the East New York part of this city. The East New York, Brooklyn part. I'm not talking about New Brooklyn. I'm talking about old, the East New York part of Brooklyn. I was trained since two years old that when you walk through the street, you better look angry. Because <laughs> if you don't look angry, you are liable to be attacked. And so I'm walking down the street with my fist clenched. Grandma, I'm looking at you too. What you going to do to me? I'm just, I'm just walking by. Just in case, suspicious of everybody, walking out the subway with a pin in my hand. I'm just like, what, what's going to happen next? What is going to happen next? And so our culture, our city, it, it, it treats us, it forms us to have an angry, attacking, aggressive way of life. And this is so different than when Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. And since I've become a Christian, this has become one of my, my biggest growth areas. Because it's easy not to live gently. From time to time, I, I get emails and letters from people that are not very happy with me. Pete, Pete didn't tell me this was going to be part of the job. That I'll get from time to time letters and emails from people that are not very happy with me. And from time to time, the, the, the letters, the emails um, over the past couple of years, some of them are, are angry and aggressive and attacking. I remember one time I got a, a letter and angry, aggressive, attacking, it seemed. And, and, I, and, and everything inside of me, as I read the letter, something's boiling up inside of me. And I'm not going, oh, look at this. I'm so glad this person had the ability to articulate what they're <laughs> feeling. This is so healthy. You no, know, I go, Susan, set up this appointment. You know, and, I, I, and not because I just want to listen. Something inside me wants to reciprocate. Something wants to reciprocate. The angry, aggressive, attacking ways. And so I'm reading the letter. I'm like, you know what, let's set up the appointment. In Jesus' name, let's set up the appointment. <laughs> and as I'm, as I'm preparing for a meeting and all that there, I start reading a book called Living Gently in a Violent World. Living Gently in a Violent World. It's amazing how God does this to us, you know. And as I start reading the book, it's a book that of, of two writers, uh, an ethicist at Duke University and a man who is, uh, if you're familiar with Henry Now and one of his mentors, a man who has, a man named Jean Vanier, who has started uh, communities around the world for mentally disabled people. And so they wrote a book together called Living Gently in, 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 a, in a Violent World. And, and in the book, uh, Stanley Harawas, this ethicist, makes a contrast between him and Jean Vanier. And this is what he says, which I found very fascinating. He says, when I see an enemy, this is Harawas talking, I see, when I see an enemy to be defeated, he sees a wound that needs to be healed. That's a deep difference between us. Where I see an enemy that needs to be defeated and conquered, he see, and, and this is really the invitation. When I see an enemy to be conquered, God invites me to see a wound that needs to be healed. Many of the people that are angry and, ag and aggressive and attacking, many times there, there is a wound that needs to be healed. 
And the invitation for those of us that are to, be, to bear the fruit of the Spirit is instead of reciprocating with angry, attacking, aggressive ways, is to perhaps ask the question, might there be a wound that needs to be healed? I don't know about you, but I, I am predisposed to conquering others than to be gentle with them, especially if I'm feeling under attack. And so let me ask you today, who are you tempted to crush today? Now, don't say this out loud. Don't give the answers out loud. Right? Just, they might be in the room. Don't say it out loud. Last service, people about to just stand up. Can I share with us? Can I share? Who are you tempted to crush today? Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's an ex-lover. Maybe it's someone who holds a different uh, political or theological position than you. You're tempted to crush them. Who do you want to crush? Last service, someone said they were going to shout out, the Chicago Cubs. We want to crush the Chicago Cubs. I said, amen. That's, what, that's, that's all right. We can. And, and, in Jesus' name, we'll, we'll Chicago Cubs. But in this chapter, the, Paul is trying to show the church a different way of being. And he's basically saying, you don't have to be subjected to the way of aggression. You don't have to be subjected to the way of anger. You don't have to be subjected to the way of attacking. There is a better way, and that way has already been demonstrated to us in the person of Jesus. The ultimate uh, motivating and empowering factor towards living this kind of life is found in the work of the Spirit. And the work of the Spirit is to first demonstrate and bear witness to the person and work of Jesus. And so the most important thing to remember, first and foremost, is how Christ has been gentle with us. How Christ has been gentle with you. When you read the New Testament, there's a striking contrast between Jesus and the religious leaders. The religious leaders marginalized, Jesus offered mercy. The religious leaders competed, Jesus offered compassion. The religious leaders were judgmental, Jesus offered gentleness. The religious leaders controlled, Jesus offered liberation. And time and time again, Jesus would demonstrate power under control, a life of power under control. The very incarnation of God speaks to how gentle God was when God entered into the world. When God entered into the world in the person of Jesus, he could have, he could have come as the Terminator. As Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator, the movie that came out, he could have come into the world just naked, grab some guns, and just take out the wicked. But instead, he comes into the world naked. As a baby, but he does not come wiping out everyone. He comes in the most gentle way possible. He comes as a baby, as an infant. You don't get more gentle than an infant. And when God wanted to demonstrate his love for the world, when God wanted to demonstrate his character for the, to the world, he first, the incarnation, he comes as a baby. Throughout Jesus' public ministry, he was incredibly gentle to the people around him, as people that were broken and repentant. To those that marginalized other people and, and oppressed other people, Jesus had another side of himself. But to those that were repentant, to those that were broken, Jesus was gentle. There's probably no better way to, to see that than in, in the famous Luke 15 passage of the prodigal son. A story that we come back to over and over at New Life. Well, there's a story of two sons and a father, and the, and the younger son says, give me my portion of the inheritance, which essentially meant, Dad, I need you to drop dead right now so I can get my stuff, and I want to do whatever I want to do with it. And so instead of rebuking him, the father gives him his portion of the inheritance. The young son goes out to a far land and starts living riotously. 
He spends his money on the craziest things. And after a while, he runs out of money. And not only does he run out of money, there's a famine in the land. There's nothing to eat anymore. He starts eating uh, the, the food, the slop that the pigs eat from, which would be the, the biggest uh, offense in Jewish culture. And so one day he says, he comes to his senses, it says, and he says, I, maybe I can go back to my father's house. Because even if I go back to my father's house, not received as a son, if I went as a servant, I'll be eating much better than what I'm eating right here. And so he decides one day to go back to his father's house. And as he's walking towards the father's house, the father's looking for him in the distance. And as the father sees him, the father begins to run towards his son. Now, if my father was running towards me after I spent all his money, I'd be running back the other way then. I'm like, oh, he's really mad. You know, I'm saying, let me get out of here. But the father is running towards his son, and as one scholar, Kenneth Bailey, says, the reason he's running to his son is because the son has just totally defamed the name of the village and his father. And the son was liable to be killed and stoned. So the father was running not just to hit his son, he was running to cover his son. So that if anyone gets stoned, it would be the father. And the father at that moment, when he could have expressed anger, aggression, and attacked his son, he goes the way of gentleness and covers his son. And there's nothing, this is perhaps the paradigmatic uh, image of Christianity. That a God who, who has every right to attack you and crush you, covers you instead. And Jesus exemplifies this gentleness to the world. When he's on the cross, Jesus could have just gone out with guns blazing, but instead he says to those who are crucifying him, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. He ends his life being gentle. And as we look at our lives, it's, it's easy to see, if we pay attention, how gentle God has been with us, with all of us in this room. And so what does it look like for us to cultivate this fruit in our lives? What does it look like that our lives are characterized by not just a moment of gentleness, but by a life of gentleness? Not just one solitary moment, but your life. When people look at you, they look at the, the, that list of the fruit of the Spirit and say, I am growing more and more towards that fruit of gentleness in my life. How do we do it? Now, first, I, I want to just talk about um, uh, two ways to see this. First, I want to talk about treating others gently. Treating others gently. To be a gentle person means that you recognize the fragility of the people around you. All of us in this room are fragile. All of us. Behind degrees, behind salary, behind accomplishments, behind performance, all of us in this room are fragile. Behind the hard exterior that many of us have, is a fragile person. Every one of us in this room, we are fragile. I like how Paul says, right after he says the fruit of the Spirit, he says in Galatians 6.1, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, what's the word? Gently. Gently. To be gentle means you're safe to be around. You're safe to be around. We've all been around people that it wasn't safe to be around. St. Augustine said that a friend is someone that knows everything about you and still loves you. That's gentleness. May we be a church that is safe to come to. It doesn't mean that we don't preach holiness. It doesn't mean that we close our eyes to particular ways of living. It doesn't mean that we're not faithful to our understanding of Scripture. 
what it means that we are people are safe to be around. Why were sinners, so the worst sinners, so attracted to Jesus and, and, and ran away from the religious leaders? Because Jesus was safe to be around. Are you the kind of person that people openly confess their sins to, their struggles to? That when they see you, they see a safe person that they can confide in and say, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm wrestling with. Oh, when people see you, are they running the other way? Are, are you the kind of person that, that, that non-Christians are drawn to? If we, if we cultivated gentleness in our church, this might be the best evangelistic strategy we can have. What's your evangelism strategy? Gentleness. Power under control. To be gentle means we're safe to be around. To be gentle means we're, we're, we're self-reflective in conflict. To be gentle means that we don't use our power, whether that power is physical or educational or financial or positional, to control or to hurt others. This is actually a good time, and this is a good time for me and for us to, to, to assess our social media interactions. Is your social media interactions characterized as aggressive, attacking, angry, destructive anger? Or is it characterized by gentleness? And so to, to live the fruit of the Spirit means that we are to be gentle to others. But to live this out in our world as well means not only that we are to express gentleness to others, but it also means that we are to express gentleness to ourselves. Treating ourselves gently. While many of us might not be aggressive and angry towards others, Many of us person, temperamentally, we're like, I'm a gentle person. But when I'm not talking about temperament, I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about something, some, uh, some aspect of godliness that the Holy Spirit does inside of us. While many of us might not be aggressive and angry towards other, others, many of us wrestle with treating ourselves gently. We set standards for ourselves that are so high, and then we don't meet those standards. And then we crush ourselves. We live in self-wallowing shame and self-rejection. Brandon Manning said these words I found powerful. He says, one of the most shocking contradictions in Christian living is the intense dislike many disciples of Jesus have for themselves. They are more displeased, impatient, irritated, unforgiving, and spiteful with their own shortcomings than they ever to be, with, uh, ever dream of being with someone else's. They are fed up with themselves, sick of their own mediocrity, disgusted by their own inconsistency, bored by their own monotony. They would never judge any of God's children with the savage self-condemnation with which they crush themselves. Through experiencing the relentless tenderness or gentleness of Jesus, we learn, first of all, to be gentle with ourselves. After the first service said, Rich, for me, I have no problem saying, give, give yourself some grace. But I never apply that to myself. I'm always saying, oh, forgive yourself. You have to learn how to forgive yourself. But I never apply that to myself. It's easy for many of us to offer grace to others and yet crush ourselves. For some of you parents, some of you moms, some of you dads here, you maybe set a standard of what motherhood or fatherhood or parenting should look like, and you realize you fail consistently. And the invitation of the Holy Spirit today is to be gentle with yourself. 
So many of us, you're, you're struggling in, in some kind of addiction, sin. And it's not that you're just living and saying, later for God. Later, you you want to love God. You want to live in the way of God. But you're struggling in some areas. Maybe the Holy Spirit for you is saying to be gentle with yourself. Maybe you had a plan for your life by the age of 30, by the age of 35, by the age of 40, by 45, by 50. This is where I would be in life. I'll have this kind of salary. I'll live in this kind of place. I have this many kids. I have this many dogs. I have, this is my life here. And life hasn't turned out that way. And instead of beating yourself up and crushing yourself, maybe the word that the Holy Spirit wants to give you is to be gentle, not just with others, but with yourself. Now, how do we cultivate this? How, how is gentleness built in our lives? How, is, how do we live this kind of way? I just want to order two things and then we'll close our time. To, to live gently in an aggressive world means, first of all, that we need the power of God. We need the power of God. The only way we can live this way is by God's power. You can't, have you ever noticed, you can't make yourself gentle. Have you ever tried? This is not, a, this is not something that comes by poor willpower. Maybe you can change the way you, but something inside, the only way that you can be gentle is that the Holy Spirit does something so deep inside of us that changes us. We all need God's power. It's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The only way that this fruit can be produced in our lives is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And some of you today, maybe you have a conversation this week, maybe you have a conversation after church that you need to have, and you realize the only way I can have this gentleness in my life is if God does something in me right this moment. To live gently in this world, we, we need a divine encounter with God. God needs to break things off of us. And this is why we gather on Sunday mornings. One of the reasons we gather on Sunday mornings is for encounter. That in worship and preaching and prayer, God would do something so definitive in us that he would break the angry, aggressive, attacking ways of our families and the ways that we have been filled with and replace it supernaturally with his gentleness. And the only way this happens is by the power and work of the Holy Spirit, a definitive act in our lives. And so how do we live this? We, we need an encounter with God. This is why we end every gathering with prayer. We need we need. A, a definitive encounter with God. And so how do we cultivate? We need the power of God. The, the, the other way I'd say it is this. In addition to the power of God, a radical, decisive moment of encounter where God does something inside of us, we also need a, a life. A, is it, this is a life of prayer. I'll say it this way. That the fruit of the Spirit grows in the soil of abiding prayer. The fruit of the Spirit grows in the soil of abiding And so while, why, while we need encounter, a definitive moment, where the Holy Spirit breaks us off, you know, breaks the aggression, angry, attacking ways off of us. This, need, this is only sustained by a life of abiding prayer. By a life of abiding prayer. This is why at New Life we talk about daily offices. Daily offices is simply a word that means to have a rhythm of prayer. A rhythm of prayer throughout the course of the day. Have you ever noticed how insufficient and inadequate Praying one time a day is to live the kind of life that Jesus wants us to. Have you ever noticed that? That you get up in the morning to pray, even if we get up to pray. We get up in the morning to pray, we get our coffee. 
and you're praying, Lord, make me gentle. And the Holy Spirit visits us in that moment. And we, and, and we feel a little more gentle. No one's around us, but we feel a little bit more gentle. And we say, man, I'm, man, I'm, I'm feeling God. I feel, I feel gentle. And then you sit there, last cup of coffee, you get dressed, you go to work. And by the time you get on the subway, whatever gentleness that was deposited inside of you by the Holy Spirit of God, is 20% of it is now gone because someone stepped on your shoe or someone took a seat that you, you were looking for that or someone sat, there was no room, they sat there anyway. And whatever gentleness you had is already starting to evaporate. Then you get to work. And your work is going fine, and then wait, someone steals your stapler, your boss says a critical remark to you. By lunchtime, you, it's already evaporated to 50%. Thank God for lunch. You can breathe. You can, you can, you can just take, recalibrate. By 3 o'clock, your boss says another critical remark. Someone's, you're over-functioning for somebody else. By 5 o'clock, you're not even a Christian anymore. <laughs> and what do we do? We go home and say, let's do that again tomorrow. And we get up in the morning, Lord, fill me with gentleness. I feel gentle. No one's around, but I feel gentle. We get on the subway. Someone sits where they shouldn't be sitting. They step on your shoe. They steal your stapler. You are functioning. And we say, let's do it again. And there is a better way. The only way that the fruit of the Spirit grows inside of us is by a, a rhythm of prayer. That we in the morning, we're pausing to be with God. And by midday, you know within yourself, you need to be in the presence of God one more time. In silence and in solitude and in scripture for God to do something inside of you again. And by the end of the day, you need to pause one more time. This is the kind of life that produces the fruit of the Spirit. It's a life of abiding, of being with God. And the, listen, we live in perhaps one of the most aggressive cities in the world. To, to live this kind of life, we need encounter from God and we need a life of abiding prayer. And this is slow. This is over time. The kind of life that God is calling us to. I want to close with this. God has every right to crush me. But God in the person of Jesus is crushed on our behalf. Instead of crushing his enemies, he would die for them and win them over with love and gentleness. On the cross, we see the embodiment of gentleness. Jesus has been gentle to us. And all of us in this room are called to live like the old man uh, who was stung by the scorpion. All of us are called to live like the old man who was stung by the scorpion. Throughout the course of this week, the reality is, someone is going to sting you. You're going to extend your hand perhaps to someone to do something good for them. And they're going to sting you. And the reality is, at that moment, we have two possible ways to go. We can crush them. Whether with our words, with our body language, or with what we say or what we don't say. We can crush them. Or we can live with a power under control. Embodying gentleness that the fruit of the Spirit wants to produce in us. Let me ask you this question. What circumstance in your life today is pulling you to be angry? 
What's that person's name that's pulling you to be aggressive, pulling you to be attacking? I want to give us a moment for the Holy Spirit to do something inside of us right now. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. And today we need all of us in this room to one degree or another, we need the power of God to break something off of us so that we would live and embody the fruit of gentleness and the power of the Holy Spirit. So just take a moment right now just to pause. Who, who, what circumstance, what person is pulling you to be angry, aggressive, and attacking? And we'll close with a song of worship together. Father, it is so easy to live in this city in an aggressive, attacking, destructive, angry kind of a way. And Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit this day to set us free and make us like Jesus. Lord, I pray that this day as we sing to you in a moment that you would break chains off of us. That when we are tempted to return anger for anger and attack for attack. May the Holy Spirit do something so deep inside of us. And may you lead us to a life of ongoing prayer that produces the kind of fruit that you want our church and each individual to live under. And so Lord, we sing to you now, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Free us, transform us, produce the kind of fruit that you want to. We sing to you now in Jesus' name and everyone said, Let's all stand and sing together. Amen. As we close our gathering today, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right. And we have the Lord's table to my left. When we come to the Lord's table, we're coming to the table of gentleness, the table of grace, where Jesus Christ offers you grace and kindness. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so you can come and uh, take the bread. Jesus was broken and poured out for you. Dip it in the cup. Experience the gentleness of Jesus. And to my right, we have our prayer team. And we close every gathering with prayer because the kind of work that God wants to do inside of us takes more than willpower. It takes more than you wake up in the morning and putting a post-it note on your mirror and saying, today I will be gentle. It's more than just self-talk. Today I'll be gentle. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to do something definitive in you. And this is why we close every gathering with prayer. And some of you today, maybe you came into this church today, you're not even a Christian, but something resonated inside of you. You want your life to be characterized by love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness. You want, that's the kind of life you dream for. And I want to tell you, that life is available for you in the person of Jesus. That life is available for you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said yes, Lord, come dwell inside of me. Live your life through me. Forgive me of my sins. I receive your grace. If you've never made that moment and said, I want a definitive encounter with you, today's your day. 
And you know today is your day. You know you're tired of living that other way. Today is your day, and Jesus Christ loves you with an everlasting love. And he wants to form and produce his life in you. And so if you want to make a decision for Jesus, you can do it right where you're right, right now. You can say, Lord Jesus, come live inside of me. Forgive me my sin. And if you made that decision to follow Christ, we have a prayer team here that I would love for you to just meet for a couple of minutes. Let them pray for you and pray with you and give you a Bible, just get you started on your journey. But I believe in this room, God is calling some of you today to say yes to following Jesus in his way. And for all of us in this room, all of us can use prayer. All of us are tempted to live angry, aggressive, attacking. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us in a different way. And so you can receive prayer as well. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And the reason we do this every Sunday is because this is the posture of the Christian life. It's the posture of receiving. Receiving out of which we give. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, living gently in an aggressive sin. May God fill you to overflow. May you bear witness to this gentleness. May you offer it to others. May you offer it to yourself. So I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the gentle name of Jesus and the people of God said, Amen. Grace and peace, everybody.